Okay, we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event weekly Bible study for September 23rd, 2007. This is part two of the hexagram teaching. And uh, going further, where we left off, we'll talk about the talisman now of the Magi. We just talked about the talisman of Saturn, which essentially is, on one side, is the hexagram with the, uh, appears to be the Hebrew words for the word Rempha, which is the star of their god Remphan, which um, the Bible makes reference to, Stephen made reference to in Acts, I believe 7, and then in Amos, the star of your god Remphan, which is a hexagram, okay? And, um, now the talisman of the Magi, uh, this is from another quote here. Boy, I can hardly pronounce this guy's name. Theophrastrius Parcellisus revived in the 16th century the ancient doctrine of the talisman, which he claimed to be able to be used successfully in the treatment of illnesses and accidents. Now notice, so much of the time, these witchcraft symbols are actually used, supposedly, to heal people. See, there's benefit in witchcraft, as far as temporal benefits. The Bible even says sin is pleasurable for a season. If Satan can deceive you, and give you a false healing, and that false healing is going to get you to buy hook, line, and sinker into his agenda, and the Lord permits him to do it, because Jesus Christ is on the throne, don't you think every time he's going to do it, if he can, if he can deceive you? So many people get deceived in... in fortune tellers, or, or the psychic detectives, and these types of things. Oh yes, that's more real than anything in the Bible. Well, you know what, it's, you know what it's not more real than? The sun coming up every day. How there's just, you know, we, our bodies, how we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that there's just the right amount of oxygen on the planet to support life. You know, how... how God set things up here for the world to sustain. What is all that, how God made the universe and the stars, what is, like, all that compared to what I just mentioned? You know, I'm sorry, there's no comparison. So, if we go further with this, um, it says, the med- now this is the talisman of the Magi, the medical doctrine derived from the Kabbalah, oh, where's it derived? The Kabbalah, the highest form of Jewish mysticism, witchcraft. So this medical doctrine which is derived from the Kabbalah, the highest form of Jewish mysticism, witchcraft, or the secret tradition of the apostate Jewish rabbis, was said to be borrowed from the ancient occult sciences of Chaldea and Egypt. So they get the best of both worlds. They get Egypt and Babylon, which are two of the places in the Bible that are always mentioned in the most negative context. This is where they get this knowledge from. The talisman signifies an image, a figure, and was engraved in the form of an emblem or a symbol on metals consecrated to the genii of the seven planets. This magical task had to be carried out at a fixed time of a certain day with the firm intention of attracting to the talisman the benefit, the beneficent influence of the genus which was invoked. In other words, it was a demon that essentially came in and gave this talisman, its healing attributes and its benefits. You're basically getting demonically healed. So whether and whether for health or other proactive measures. So see, Satan can come as an angel of light spirit and, and seem like the greatest thing in the world. 
Like I said before, the Antichrist is going to come with all lying signs and wonders. And if it be possible, even the very elect will be deceived. So, there's a lot of different talismans. The talisman of Saturn we've talked about. There's a talisman of Jupiter, which was found in the possession of Joseph Smith at his death. Now, he was the one that started the, the uh, Mormon religion. We talked a little bit about them. There's the talisman of Mars, the talisman of the sun, the talisman of Venus, the talisman of Mercury, the talisman of the moon. They're all demonic to the core. They're all used in high-level witchcraft. These are the principal talismans whose tradition have been preserved for us by the most ancient monuments of the highest magical art and by the most reliable archaeologists in this type of research. So in other words, this has been verified through archaeology. What we're talking about here. These talismans are recommended under the name of the teraphim by the Hebrew Kabbalists. Now, you'll notice in this, when you read this, this is spelled Q-A-B-A-L-I-S-T, Kabbalist. It also can um, be spelled different ways. It can be spelled with a K or a C. It's all the same thing. Okay? So, the Hebrew Kabbalists of the Middle Ages were the ones that were using this in the highest magical arts, these talismans. So, this is really, really high-level Jewish mysticism witchcraft, which actually had its actual pagan roots in Egypt and in Babylon. Okay, why would you want to associate yourself with any of this? And again, wouldn't it be better to err on the side of safety? <laughs> this is not a salvation. God never says in, in the Bible, well, you have to bow down and worship or, or, or carry this talisman of Saturn or, or use the hexagram. It's never an issue. But they, 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 chose, they chose to uh, do this stuff. It's crazy. Then it goes on to say, these Kabbalists add another seven talismans to which they attribute the power of conjuring the influence of seven demons, who, according to their doctrine, share with the seven planetary angels the government of divine creation. Against the angel of Saturn, they set a demon Nabom. Against the angel of Jupiter, the demon, and, and so on and so on. Okay, again, and this is another quote from a, uh, an occult source here. Now, this is from um, Two Babylons by Alexander Hyssop, page 269. It says, Now the name Saturn in Chaldee is produced Satur, S-A-T-U-R. But as every Chaldee scholar knows, now Chaldea is associated with Babylon, okay? But as every Chaldee scholar knows, consists of only four letters. So, in other words, the name Saturn in Chaldee is pronounced Satur, but as every child scholar knows, consists of only four letters, which is S-T-U-R. Which is also another acronym for the name STAR. Okay, now we're, we're, what we're doing is we're seeing how many incredibly different ways Saturn, Remfam, Moloch, Chun, the six-pointed star, the hexagram are all connected. We're seeing it so many different angles here. But so... Uh, every good Chaldee scholar knows that it really only consists of four letters. S-T-U-R, which is also another acronym for the word star, which is where we get the word, this hexagram from. The name contains exactly the apocalyptic number. Okay, so the word for Saturn in its purest form in Chaldee is S-T-U-R. In um, numerology, each letter represents a different number. The number S represents the number 60. The number T represents the number 400. The number U represents the number 6. And R represents the number 200. If you add all those up, 
it equals 666, S-T-U-R, in Chaldean, which is representative of the word Saturn, which is representative of the hexagram, always associated with the hexagram. Now, Saturn is also the sixth planet. From the sun, Saturn is associated with Satan, which has a very similar spelling, if you think about it. Another quote, I believe this is from Text Mars Mystery Mark, page 68. Sri Abdino, a Hindu guru well known in the New Age, affirms that Saturn is represented by the number six because the planet Saturn is the sixth of the nine planets in the distance from the sun. And again, these are just different and little confirmations. The six-pointed star was also used in the mystery, initi mystery religion initiation rites. In the ancient book, or no, let's go further. Uh, this is the sign of which the Magnus decorated himself. Now, the Magnus would be like a high-level um, magician, demonic magician. This is the sign of which the Magnus decorated himself. Now, this is talking about the six-pointed star. When he has reached the highest degree of initiation... So this is, a, this is a symbol that a high-level occultic magician would decorate himself in only when he's achieved the highest degree of initiation. That's how wicked this thing is. This is a picture of the crown of the Magi. And obviously, if you're listening to this, what you can do is print off the PDF and you can follow along as we're talking about these things. Okay? So this is a picture of the crown of the Magi. And it's a six-pointed star with uh, different symbology around it. This is a quote from Madame Blavatsky, who was one of the most wicked women that ever, ever roamed the planet. Um, had a lot to do with the start of the uh, Theosophical movement, modern-day Satanism, essentially. Uh, this is page 4, or page 234, from um, Dr. A. Kingsford, Perfect Way, the Secret of Satan. Okay. Blavatsky said, It is Satan who is the God of our planet, and the only God. In the order of the divine evolution, Saturn, or Satan, astronomically, is the seventh and the last in the order of the macrocosmic emanation. They, they talk in real high and lofty terms, but what we're trying to do is drive the point home that Satan and Saturn are the same thing. Okay? And that... Satan and Saturn is always associated with the six-pointed hexagram. Now, if you go below this, this is the coat of arms on one of the Rennes-le-Chateau Merovingian castle. Now, we're going to talk about the Merovingians later. We've, we've talked about how this is also, this is essentially the symbol of the Rothschilds, which was where we get the word, uh, originally was derived from the word red shield, where they had a hexagram hanging on the outside of the door in order to represent their family. Okay. Now, this next image you're going to look at here is a symbol. What I did is I went up to an occult jewelry site. There's occultists, and this one guy's name's Mark DeFrates, and he sells occult jewelry. Okay? He hand makes every piece. And he gives a description about what every piece is used for. Now, this is from a witch that makes occultic jewelry. Here's what he says. Here's his. This is a picture of a hexagram you can go buy on his site. I don't advise it, but you can do this. And I'm sure it comes with this nice big demonic curse. This is an interlaced hexagram originating in India as a sign of sexual union 
This is another thing it means, the sign of sexual union. Well, how could it mean that? Because if you look at this here, it's an interlaced, interwoven, it looks like two triangles, one going up, one going down. Okay? That's a symbol of sexual union. Okay? Originating in India as a sign of sexual union, the hexagram, under its magical name, as the seal of Solomon, is the integration of fire, water, male and female, as above, so below. The use of this symbol as the Star of David, which is a lie, because it's the Seal of Solomon, it's not the Star of David. David never got into this. Yeah, David backslid sometimes, but he always repented. He didn't get off into high-level witchcraft, okay? The use of the symbol as the Star of David dates back to pre-Christian times. But it was popularized by the rise of the Zionist movement. The symbol is older than the pentagram. They're even acknowledging, here's a witch acknowledging this is older than the pentagram. And it is not an endless knob, but two intersecting triangles. Okay, let's go further. Here's another piece of jewelry you can buy on his site. Now, this is the hexagram in a circle. Okay, the other was just a hexagram not in a circle. The hexagram, now when it's in a circle, the hexagram is composed of two interlocking triangles symbolizing the union of fire and water and is the symbol of the union of opposites. Within the circle of the divine, the symbol means that only within altered or mystical states of consciousness, which is also union of the divine, can this integration of opposites occur. It's a little bit different when it's in a circle. It's still the same wicked symbol. Okay? Uh, and I even give you a link to go to this website if you want to check it out. There's really nothing inappropriate that I saw on the website. I mean, maybe some of the descriptions are inappropriate. I don't know. But this is what the witches think of it. So, this is the most... Now, this is from Sean Sellers, a former Satanist and author of The Web of Darkness. Here's what he says about the hexagram. This is the most powerful of all signs to the occult. It consists of six sides, six points, and six small triangles. Thus, 666 is a hexagram. The book Web of Darkness says the hexagram is the most powerful and evil sign in Satanism in all of the occult world. The hexagram is used mainly in witchcraft to summon demons from another world. You want, you want to summon a demon? If you're in high-level witchcraft, you know what you do. You cast the hexagram on the ground. Now, there's certain things you got to do. But if you want to summon a demon from another plane of existence, from another dimension, and they are there, I mean, come on. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. These are things that if you're high enough in the occult, you can actually summon, if you're high at a high enough level, to actually do your bidding. So, the hexagram is mainly used in witchcraft to summon demons from another world. The word hex, which means to place a curse on someone, originated from this sign. And again, this was Sean Sellers, former Satanist and author of The Web of Darkness. Now, below that is another symbol where we have a hexagram and we have an ankh in the middle of it, which an ankh is an Egyptian cross. You'll notice it doesn't have the straight sign up. It has a uh, circle. An ankh is uh, what Constantine saw, the, the was considered the first pope. In 1318, he started essentially the Catholic religion where they started amalgamating paganism and pseudo-Christianity into one big happy uh, apostate mess. Supposedly, when he went to war, Constantine had a vision where he saw a symbol of an ankh, and it said, under this sign, conquer. Under this sign, you shall conquer, whatever. So, 
whatever devil was showing him this Egyptian Ankh told him, conquer under this sign. So that's in the middle of this hexagram, and then wrapped around the hexagram is a snake eating its own tail. And where the tail comes into his mouth, there's also a, a reverse swastika. So, this is the kind of symbology you have associated with the hexagram here. Whenever you see a snake eating its own tail, that's another one of the most highest level signs of witchcraft. If you ever see lucent technology, that red circle, if you look real close at that red circle, that is basically a, a snake eating its own tail. It's all around us. We're, we're surrounded and immersed in symbology like this. We just had a question. Doug asked a good question um, in regard to if somebody were to come to you and say, well, none of this matters, bless God, because uh, I'm covered under the blood and uh, I can wear whatever I want to wear and, and none of this is going to affect me. And that's, you know, that's really a lie from the pit of hell because um, you'll hear a lot of that and a lot of that is an excuse, again, so that they can keep their pet sin. If you bring a cursed object into your house, or if you're wearing a cursed object on you, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ is one thing. But if you are willfully submitting yourself under a curse, or even if you're not willfully doing even if you don't know about it, even if you're being destroyed for lack of knowledge, as Hosea 4, 6 says, it doesn't change the fact that you're still being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And at bare minimum, if you are saved... It is going to hinder your walk with the Lord. A cursed object is a cursed object. A cursed object is an abomination in the sight of God. I'm not saying the Lord's not more powerful than that. But, as the Bible says, should we sin that grace may, be, may abound? This is what you would essentially be doing if you are wearing this type of occultic jewelry or embracing these types of false doctrines. You're sinning that grace may, be, may abound? doesn't make any sense. Uh, yes, Jesus Christ is perfectly capable of protecting you from these things, but, but why would you want to push the envelope? Why would you want to tempt God? Why would you not want to flee all appearance of evil? Why would you want to sin that grace would abound? You can't do any of those things. God is also not the author of confusion. And this, I mean... Hopefully, uh, we've, we've presented the case even so far, and we've got a ways to go, that God has no part in this symbol. This is, this is wickedness. It is, as we've just read from a former Satanist, and many would confirm this, this is the highest, most wicked sign in all of witchcraft, used to evoke a devil, or a demon, or possibly a fallen angel, from another plane of existence in high-level occultism. This isn't something you want to mess around with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there, when, when you have these types of symbols and you wear them, just like what John Todd was talking about, when they make these uh, rock albums, um, rock music things, they essentially have ceremonies where they will curse the master recording and every copy that comes off the master basically has its own curse. Well, what is a curse? There's some type of demonic entity associated with that thing that goes out. And if you bring it into your house, it would be like in the Bible when Achan went into Jericho and God said, don't take anything out of Jericho. Don't take anything. Well, Achan couldn't, couldn't help himself and he took out a, a Babylonian garment and some wedges of silver. 
And he brought, and the Bible talks about it, that he brought sin into the camp. He brought a curse into the camp. When you bring these things into your house, you're bringing a curse in your house. I mean, Achan was an Israelite. He wasn't. Wasn't he? Wasn't he doing um, the Lord's bidding? At, at, I mean, at, at, up until that point, it was. It was after the forty years they went into the Promised Land. These were the ones that were going to take back the Promised Land. He brought sin back into the camp. And the next battle at A, I believe they lost like I don't know, twenty-eight or thirty-seven or some people because of of one sin that happened. They lost the next battle. They lost faith. They lost heart. It affected every single one of them in the camp. That's why the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 that if somebody is, is, is an open, blatant sin in your church to purge out the old leaven, that the whole lump may be not leavened. In other words, that everybody in the church doesn't get affected by their sin. When you have this kind of sin in the camp, it will affect everybody eventually. And the churches today are, are so far leavened and so far gone. I don't really view a whole lot of hope for for them. I hope that some will come out. But the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. And that God would send the strong delusion in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that they would believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. These are the times we're living in. It's not, it's not something to get down about. It's something the Bible clearly predicted would happen. And praise the Lord if you are one of the ones that knows the truth, because you're among a very, very select few. Doesn't mean that you need to let pride well up, because that's the first tendency of a lot of people. Well, look at me, bless God, I'm better. No, don't do that, or you'll get deceived just like they are. God doesn't, pride is an abomination to God. I mean, an absolute, total abomination. It's the opposite of humility, and... Unless you come before the Lord as a little child, you know, he, He's not going to uh, receive you. you. You have to humble yourself before the Lord. And if you humble yourself before the Lord, and you earnestly seek truth, and you earnestly desire it, and you are of a meek and contrite spirit, particularly before the Lord, then the Lord can work with you. But when you let pride well up, and, you, and, and, and the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. So your constant struggle when you start to know this type of knowledge and knowing that you know knowledge that hardly anybody else knows, it's going to be a it's going to be a struggle for most people not to let pride well up. You got to pray for humility. I'm telling you something you should be praying for. Pray for the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord will bring humility. So a lot of this is a little rabbit trail kind of, but it's it's all related. Because you really do need to pray for fear of the Lord and humility. Um, because if you don't, the tendency when you start learning this type of high level information, this is strong meat, what we're talking about here, is the tendency is, is to get puffed up with pride and think, oh look at me, I'm Mr. Smarty Pants and I know more than you. Don't do that. The Lord's the one that showed it to you anyway. He's the one that put breath in your lungs. He's the one that gave you the food that you eat, and the water that you drink, and the roof over your head. He's the one that gave you all these things. He could take it away in a heartbeat. I, I just, you don't want to do that. So I, I think that the remedy for pride, obviously, is humility and fear of the Lord, and it's something you should be praying for. I pray for it. I've been prayed for it for a long time. Um, not to say I'm Mr. Example of that, but but I, I know that... that um, 
when you fear the Lord and if you're humble before Him, He can work with you. And He can continue to show you this stuff because I keep learning more stuff every day. And it's all, it's all pure confirmation of Scripture. So if we go further, let's, let's look at how the, this, this, six, uh, this hexagram relates to the economy and the dollar. This is interesting. Now, the Bible says in Revelation 13, 17, and that, and that, no, and that no might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now remember, we've, we've clearly proven that the hexagram is associated with the number 666. Okay? And I believe that it's going to be part of the mark of the beast. I don't think it's going to be the only mark of the beast. But it's probably going to be incorporated into some type of tattoo and some type of implantable microchip. Okay? And we know that from Revelation that no man is going to be able to buy or sell save that he have the number of his name or the mark of the beast, which is most likely, which is going to be 666. We've already proven that the hexagram is clearly associated with the number 666. So, how is, how is the money going to be affected with this? Well, the great, we need to take a look at the great seal of the United States on the back of the dollar bill. Um, this is an uh, interesting study here. Um, now, there, there is a six-pointed star. If you look at the back of the one dollar bill, and we have a picture of the back of the one dollar bill on, in the study, and the six-pointed star is above the eagle. Uh, if you're looking at the dollar bill on the right side, in the form of 13 stars. If you look at the 13 stars, it's actually in the shape of a, of a hexagram. In God We Trust, presumably refers to Saturn, the guardian of, guardian of the treasury. Uh, there is a the reference here. It said Saturn was also connected with the minting of coins, and he was the guardian of the treasury. Particularly if these coins were minted in such a way where we were using unjust scales and balances. Now, if you want to know about unjust scales and balances, go to the book of Proverbs, do a keyword search like on Blue Letter Bible Online, and you'll see how bad God hates unjust scales and balances, which is how our economy, unfortunately, is based up through the modern-day Federal Reserve, which is a privately owned debt collection arm, or actually a privately owned um, business owned by the International Monetary Fund. It prints money with nothing backing it. Since 1933, we've been off the gold standard. Since 1968, we've been off totally off the silver standard. There's nothing backing our money. It's paper. It would be like having a, a checkbook and writing, blank, writing checks with nothing in the account. That's what they do. How do they create money? It's an unjust scale and balance, which is an abomination in the sight of God. Our whole modern day banking system. Okay? Now, if we go further, there's a system called Mondex Electronic Banking. The system is based on smart card technology. All transactions are being made secure by adopting SET, S-E-T protocols, secure electronic transactions. Now, the smart card is going to be, really, that would be more the forerunner to the mark of the beast. We have the national ID, which is slated to be implemented in May of 2008. Okay, but they've got up until like 2012 or 2013 to fully implement it. So it's not like May of 2008 of next year, everybody's going to have to have, no. It's going to be a slow implementation. Okay, but then after that, they're probably going to issue something similar to a smart card, which will be like a national ID card, but then it'll be associated with everything that we do as far as buying and selling. Okay, but then what they're going to say is, hey guys, you can lose the smart card, 
But if we implant it in your forehead or your right hand, you can't lose it. See, it's incremental. That's how Satan always is. So, the Mondex banking system is the system based on smart card technology. All transactions are being made secure by adopting SET SET protocols, which stands for Secure Electronic Transactions, and will display the SET mark. Presumably, the SET mark will be the same as and will utilize the star key on your telephone. Remember, it's star? Huh. And the computer to interact with the system. Now, Albert Pike, who was one of the highest level Confederate Freemasons, we could go down that rabbit trail all day long, he basically wrote the book Morals and Dogma. The guy was demon-possessed to the toenails. Albert Pike explains that the blazing star represents the star of Horus. Hmm, didn't we already talk about Horus a little bit? Wasn't he... When he was in his risen form, his name was Amsu. And what was his symbol that he took upon himself? The hexagram. So, the blazing star that Albert Pike refers to is the star of horse, the morning star, which basically, um, the uh, bright and morning star is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? <clears throat> I'm just going to go down this rabbit trail real quick. In the NIV Bible... Uh, they refer to Jesus Christ in Isaiah, or they refer to Satan, Lucifer, in Isaiah, as the son of the morning, okay, if you, if you read a King James Bible. But in an NIV Bible, they refer to him as the morning star. Okay, which is one reason you do not want to have an NIV Bible, because the morning stars made reference to over in the book of Revelation where he's clearly referred to as Jesus Christ. So if you have an NIV Bible, you can get confused to thinking, well, is Lucifer Jesus Christ? You can get all messed up in this. Okay, what is that? Isaiah 14, 6 or something? I don't know. One of those verses. So this is one of the reasons that you don't want to have an NIV Bible. But Albert Pike is saying that the blazing star represents the star of Horus, the morning star, the star of Set. Now, what's Set? We, we, didn't we just read about the Set mark? It's going to be Set protocols. Set. You know what Set is an acronym for? Satan. There's a guy named Michael Aquino that has the temple of Set out in California. Well, where did Michael Aquino come from? Well, when Anton LaVeitch started the first Church of Satan in May 1st of 1966, which is Beltane, which is one of the highest satanic holidays, Michael Aquino was essentially part of that church. Michael Aquino split from that church because he had some disputes with um, Anton LaVey over certain protocols and certain um, uh, ways that they should be promoted within the satanic ranks. He went and started with his wife Lilith, who is also another name of a demon, he started the Temple of Set. Michael Aquino is actually a high-level, very, very, very high-level uh, government official. I believe he's a general now. If he's not a colonel, he's a general in the army, which is nice. We've got guys like this. He had a lot to do with getting Satanism accepted in the army as a recognized religion. Started the Temple of Set. I'm not making this stuff up, okay? This actually is... Is real. And the Temple of Set, Set is just basically another acronym for the name of Satan. Okay? He was a colonel, but I think he got promoted to a general. Yeah. And he has he has the highest level security clearance in the army or in the military that you can imagine, this guy. 
Yeah, it's, it's the kind of guy I want protecting me. You know? The Temple of Set has had all kind of problems where they have been accused of, of basically, you know, raping small children and child sacrifice and things like this, you know. Other than that, it's a great, great little, little organization. So, Albert Pike says that the, this blazing star, the star of Set, star of Horus, or the star of Lucifer. The blazing star is the six-pointed star. So we're all talking about the same thing here. Okay? Um, now, if we go further, the all-seeing eye, now, if, now, now go to your little other packet that I gave out. The other little packet. We're going to start on that now. So the all-seeing eye is, is the elite's favorite symbol. It represents the eye of Lucifer. Seen all and is usually atop a pyramid. The symbol for a top-down command and the control system of compartmentalization. So, now the all-knowing eye of Lucifer, which is, which is one of the elite's favorite symbols, is on the back of our dollar bill, on top of the pyramid, okay? All you got to do is get a dollar bill out to see this, okay? And um, it's, it's right there. I don't even have a dollar bill. But anyway, um, the all-seeing eye of Lucifer is the elite's favorite symbol. It represents the eye of Lucifer, seen all, and is usually atop the pyramid. It's also known as the all-knowing eye of Horus. And again, we've also associated with Horus with Amsu, which is always associated with the six-pointed star. The symbol, uh, when you see this pyramid, is a symbol for a top-down command and control system of compartmentalization. Now, notice the pyramid on the back of the $1 bill. We're going to look at that. The pyramid... What are you doing, Taylor? No. The pyramid is um, on the back of the $1 bill. We're just going to look at one part of this. This pyramid has 13 levels. And notice it has different blocks. This is where they talk about compartmentalization. Satan, typically, if you're in high-ranking level occult stuff, Satan will only let you know what you need to know. It's on a need-to-know basis. You're not going to know all of the stuff because he wants to keep you in the dark about a lot of these things that are going on within the organization. We're looking at, we're looking at a picture right now, and that's why you really need to have this symbol following it along as, as we're doing this teaching. We're looking at the pyramid. Now, if you draw lines on this pyramid, you can make clearly a hexagram. And there's a hexagram superimposed on this pyramid you're looking at. And those lines intersect different letters at their tips. If you read the lines one way, you get the word Mason. If you, um, another way that you can actually read these lines as far as the intersections go, you come up with the word A-O-N-M-S, which is also symbolic of ancient order of the nobles of the mystic shrine. A lot of what our government and a lot of what these things are based on is based on high-level Freemasonic ritual. Okay? This is very, very, very much a Masonic symbol on the back of there. This is not the all-knowing eye of God at the top of the pyramid. It is the all-knowing eye of Lucifer. Okay? Who will come as an angel of light and you see the, the, the light rays emanating off his eyes, and these types of things. So, this is one, 
one thing here. Um, you notice at the bottom of the pyramid are Roman numerals that w in, add up to the number 1776. 1776, yes, was the, was the year that the Declaration of Independence was signed. It was also the year that the Illuminati was officially formed. On May 1st, Beltane, which is also the date that the uh, First Church of Satan was formed in 1966, on May 1st, 1776, the Illuminati was formed by Adam Weishaupt. Shortly thereafter, the Declaration of Independence was signed. Okay, but that's why that number's there. Novus, and then you, you look at the very top, it says, Anut Coeptus Novus Order Secorum. You know what that means? Announcing the birth of the New World Order. Coeptus, conception, announcing Anut Novus Order Secorum is New World Order, or the New Order of the Ages. So, what is this saying here? In the, in the year 1776, was the year the Illuminati was formed. Anoit, Anut, Coeptus, Novus Order Secorum, announcing the birth of the New World Order in 1776, was when Adam Weishaupt formed the Illuminati on May 1st, Beltane, which is one of the high satanic holidays that witches celebrate. You've got your 13 levels of the pyramid, 13 being the number of rebellion. You've got the hexagram that if you superimpose on this, we can get the word, we can get the two words that we mentioned. One would be Mason, the other would be A-O-N-M-S, Ancient Order of the Nobles of the Mystic Shrine. Uh, you got the all-seeing eye of Lucifer at the very, very top of the pyramid. Notice how it hasn't joined with the pyramid yet. When, when do they believe that this is actually going to join with the pyramid and the capstone is actually going to be on? That's when the Antichrist comes to power and he takes over and he has his seven years of, of whatever. This is a real lighthearted study, isn't it? So if we go further, here's more on the great seals. Now let's look at the other seal. Many companies use the pyramid with their logos. James Walker, 32nd degree mason, shares some facts about, with us about these symbols. Now this is a 32nd degree mason who says, okay, let's look at this, let's look at the other seal. Well, this is the one with the eagle that was originally a phoenix. When this dollar bill was originally designed, it was originally a phoenix, not an eagle. The phoenix is one of the highest level occult symbols in all of witchcraft. The phoenix is symbolic of the Antichrist. It's also symbolic of reincarnation. It's symbolic of the phoenix will die and out of its own ashes, he will rise again. Okay? If you look at the eagle, there's 13 leaves in the olive branch that he has. There's 13 bars and stripes in the shield that's over the eagle. There's 13 arrows in his right claw. There's 13 letters in E Pluribus Unum. In the ribbon, there's 13 stars in the green crest above his head. Why would you use all these 13s when 13s is one of the most wicked numbers you can get? 13 is the number of rebellion. There's 32 feathers on its right wing, representing the 32nd degree of Freemasonry. That would be the York Rite. And there's 33, um, there's 33 letters on his other wing, which would be the 33 levels in the Scottish Rite. That's not on here for some reason, but... Um, there's 13 granite stones in the pyramid. We just looked at that. The 13 layers represent the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. 13 families of the Illuminati. There's 13 letters in Anut Coeptus, which is announcing the birth. It should be noted that the eagle has 32 feathers in the right ring, but the 33 in its left wing, the 32 feathers representing the number of ordinary degrees of the Scottish Rite, the 33 
feather, the 33 feathers representing the 33rd degree of Freemasonry. Um, the tail feathers, number nine, the number of degrees in the um, York Rite. The eagle itself is a prominent icon of, of the Masons, being used extensively in the Scottish Rite. So you can see that this is really a Freemont. Well, where does Freemasonry, if we look at the, it, what is Freemasonry in its pure essence? In its pure essence, it would be considered Babylonian mysticism witchcraft, which basically started with Nimrod. If you look at the Freemasons, that's basically what it is. And it's going to be, in essence, kind of like the one world religion that we're moving into, that the Antichrist, the Bible clearly says that the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper. He will cause witchcraft to prosper. So if we, looking above the eagle's head, you'll see 13 pentagrams within a cloud. The pentagrams are arranged in the shape of a hexagram, or greater seal of, or the greater seal of Solomon. The hexagram is a powerful tool used by pagans to invoke Satan. It is also the sign of the Antichrist with six points, six angles, and six planes. Now remember, this is coming from a 32nd degree Freemason. He's saying this. To the sorcerer, the hexagram is a powerful tool to invoke Satan. It is the sign of the Antichrist. The five-pointed pentagrams multiplied by 13. I mean, how much wicked can you get? you got, you got 13 um, pentagrams in the shape of a hexagram. I mean, wow. And, and, and then there's 13. I, you couldn't get much more wicked. The five-pointed pentagrams multiplied by 13 equals 65, which is the same Kabbalistic number as mentioned above. This makes one wonder with whom or what are we to dwell in unity with. Because I believe e-purbus unum means to dwell in unity. Okay? So this is some really, really... You talk about not fleeing all appearance of evil. The eagle represented... was replaced by the phoenix in 1841 as the national bird. The phoenix has been a brotherhood symbol since the land of Egypt. Phoenix was adopted by the founding fathers, the Freemasons, for the use on the reverse of the official seal of the United States. And, oh, no, no, we only had Christian founding fathers... Every single one of them. Well, you need to check into that a little bit, little bit deeper. Because we were really total lie on that one as well. I'm not saying none of them had any Christian, but I'm saying that there was a lot of pagan stuff going on, even with the founding of our country. Um, the phoenix was adopted by the founding fathers for the use of the reverse on the first official seal of the United States after a design proposed by Charles Thompson, the Secretary of the Continental Congress. So now let's go a little bit. Well, you could say oh, I, I don't believe that, I don't believe that the Freemasons ever had anything to do with the formation of all these symbols on our dollar bill. Okay, well let's look at another image. The image that we're going to be looking at now is taken from the New Age magazine, which was the official publication of the Supreme Council of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry. Now the only way you're going to be able to view this is if you click on the PDF file, which is all free. I'm giving this away. All this information free. The Bible says, freely have you received, freely give. Okay? So, just go and click on it, and you can print it out or do whatever you want. Um, the, and what I try to do is also give credit where I got this, the information from, so you can go and click on links and things like that, so you can check it out further. The image below is taken from the New Age magazine, which was the official publication of the Supreme Council of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry, the most powerful Masonic organization in America, if not the world. It is now called the Scottish Rite Journal. 
This is from April 1960, and it clearly states that the $1 note is covered in Masonic symbols, and it also states the pyramid with the Masonic all-seeing eye. So if you, this, is a, this is a photocopy of this page, April 1960, the New Age magazine, Masonic symbols on the bill, and it basically goes through all the things that we just said, uh, where the 13 leaves and the olive branches, 13... Uh, bats and stripes in the shield, 13 feathers in the tail, 13 arrows, uh, all these things, okay? 13 granite stones in the pyramid with the Masonic all-seeing eyes, completing it, 13 letters of a newt coeptus. Um, on the front of the dollar bill is the seal of the United States, made of a key and square, and the scales of justice, as well as a compass, which of course is an important symbol in Freemasonry. So, you know, this is straight from the Supreme 33rd Degree Council of the Freemasons. Now, again, we, this, we set all this to talk about how this, this mark, this number, which we know will be associated with the number 666, which I think we've proven also is associated with the hexagram, will be associated with the mark of the beast, and no man will be able to buy or sell. So it relates to the day and times that we're moving into. Now, there was another facet of this, which... Um, which was called uh, the Hexagon Global Electronic Banking System, which is associated with this Mondex electronic banking that we had just talked about. So the Hexagon Global Banking System, Hexagon is the Global Electronic Banking Service. Now you're going to go back to your packet now. Um, is uh, a global electronic banking service specifically designed to co-op for the corporate market. This is controlled by the Bank of England, recently bought, which recently bought the Republic National Bank and most of the Bank of Malta. <laughs> These are all studies that we could we could do stuff, for, but we just don't have time today. This hexagon global electronic banking system is participating institution in the Mondex system, which is what we just talked about. We talked about the set protocol, set me, meaning Satan associated with the number 666, associated with the hexagram. So with trials in Canada, Hong Kong, Australia, United States, the plans to market the smart card system in the U.S. I, you know, I don't know how much more confirmation we can give. Now, let's see how the 666 relates to education. This is a symbol here of the Education 2000 curriculum. It's a symbol of a hexagram with different things in the hexagram with different meanings. One of it says our planetary home the human family, fulfillment of the individual, and all these other New Age things. So this is how it relates to education. The six-pointed star is essential also to astrology, as the zodiacal chart cannot be cast without the symbol. Well, if I was you, I wouldn't be reading my horoscopes every morning, because horoscopes are based out of astrology. Astrology is based out of witchcraft. Now, I'm not talking about astronomy, which is the study of the stars. Astrology, which is the which is the zodiac, which you know the Bible or this says right here that the six pointed star is essential to the study of astrology. All the more reason to stay away from it. And another thing, we go further. This is the planetary citizens, planetary initiative for the world we choose. So this is from um, this this organization, this demon possessed organization. 
that has a United Nations agenda. So this Planetary Citizens Planetary Initiative, it comes out of the United Nations and lists among its founding organizations the Club of Rome, which is wicked to the core, and the Association for Humanistic Psychology. Well, anything associated with psychology is typically wicked as well. Okay, because psychology bases its premises off wicked people that came up with wicked theories that use wicked drugs in order to treat spiritual problems that drugs can't treat. Yeah, let's just drug them up. That, that'll solve everything. And the drugs themselves are associated with, with, with demonic entities. So, the, one of the persons that started this is David Spangler and Robert Mueller, board members. Well, David Spangler said, and I, I meant to get this quote, that basically that all those that are going to go into the, the New Age will have to take the Luciferic initiation. And those that do not take this Luciferic initiation associated with the number 666 will basically have no right to exist and will be killed. But hey, it's planetary citizens, planetary initiative for the world we choose. You just better choose to go along with it or you're going you're gonna to lose your head. And this is their symbol. And it's a whole bunch of interlocking hexagrams. If we're looking at the symbol, this is the 1999 World Symposium Reunion. The Voyage of Oneness. An opportunity to reunite. I don't want to yoke myself up with this junk. The Bible says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Or 6.17 so now, what's, let's look at the present use of the six-pointed star. Neither represented, and then the Bible says in um, Revelation, one of the signs of the end times is in Revelation 9.21, neither repented they of their sorceries. That's going to be one of the earmarks of the end times. They're not going to repent of their sorceries. They're going to think that they do with God's service when they kill you. These types of things. Now, I'm not saying that to scare anybody. I mean, because the Lord's perfectly capable of protecting anyone. Okay, but I'm just saying, this is just relating to the Bible. The hexagram is used in magic, witchcraft, and occultism. This is a, a quote from another source. Um, in Halloween, in the holiday Halloween, this is very interesting. Halloween emanates from the 14th century. When the Druids would knock on the doors of the castles, demanding the young maidens or their princesses for their sacrifices. If they were not given to the maiden... If they were not given the maiden, they would paint a hexagram on the door to tell that all should die in that household that night. This is from O.J. Graham's book. Now, I've done whole studies on Halloween. If you want to elaborate on this a little bit further, the Druids, which were the high priests of the Celts in the England and the Scotland areas and these types of places, would go out on Halloween night, the highest night of human sacrifice, Okay, this is how they practice their religion, okay? I'm not making this up. This is what they do. You go to church on Sundays, this is how the occultists and the pagans practiced their religion back then. The Druids, which were over the Celts, which were one of the most fierce people that, you know, the planet's ever known, the Druids would go out into the countryside on Halloween evening, and what they would do is they would be carrying a dead body with them, and I'm not lying about this. This is how they did things. Okay, you can reference this. They would carry a dead body with them. They would go to the door. This is where we get the word trick or treat. When they would go to the door, they would ask for, for human sacrifice for that night. 
Okay, This is how they practiced their religion, the Druid priests. If that household did not give them a human sacrifice, the trick was that they would get a hexagram painted on their door. Remember how I said hexagrams are associated with some of the highest levels? If you want to evoke a demon from another planet or, or from another uh, dimension, this is what you would paint. This is why they're so dangerous. Okay, They would paint a hexagram on the person's door in the blood of the corpse that they were dragging along. They would drag him along with a cable toe around his neck. The treat would be, if they gave them the human sacrifice, if the person in the household said, okay, here, here's, a, here's my human sacrifice, leave me alone. The treat would be, they wouldn't get a, a hexagram painted on their door, what they would get is a pumpkin filled with human fat that would be lit there, that would basically tell the demonic spirits that came out that night to leave this household alone. I'm not making this stuff up. Check Doc Marquis. Um, if you want to see a whole expose on this, get the DVD from Doc Marquis on the occult. He's just one of the guys that have talked about this. Okay, He explains this in detail, and this is a guy that was involved in high-level generational witchcraft. He tells you the true meanings behind all these different holidays, particularly Halloween. Halloween has always been considered by Satanists to be the time that they viewed the dimensions and the veil between the spirit worlds was at its thinnest. This is why they dressed up in costumes. Because many times, the spirits they invited across the dimensional pathways, remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, the spirits that they would invite across the spiritual threshold were sometimes very, very malevolent evil. Well, they were always malevolent evil. Some were more powerful than others. They dressed up in costumes in order to ward off evil spirits. This is how we get the, 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 the whole thing of wearing costumes on Halloweens. I just explained to you how we how we got the tradition of jack-o'-lanterns. They would leave that on the doorstep, filled with human fat, and they would light it, and that would tell these de evil spirits to leave that household alone. We also saw how the hexagram was associated with it. We know now how we got the, the things with trick-or-treat, because the trick would be if they did not give them a human sacrifice, and that somebody or many people in the household would die that night. See, if you're, if you're a practicing pagan, and you have a druid high priest over you, you have no protection from the Lord. You have zero protection. You're not covered under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people were, were terrified of the Druid priests. And again, you can, you can go back. You know, how, you know how they have Stonehenge and all this stuff? All those are, are essentially Druid sites. Stonehenge and all that. Do you know that underneath Stonehenge, they have, they have unearthed thousands of human remains? Thousands. Oh, but that's not on the news. Hmm. Do you know that there's little Stonehenge's all over the countryside there in England? Those types of places, they're all over the place. Just Stonehenge is the most well-known one. This is a site that they would, where, what, okay, so what did they do next? I might as well go down this rabbit trail because I'm already here. What would they do next? They would gather up the human sacrifices for that night when they were done roaming the countryside, the Druid priests, and they would come back and they would, they, have, they had already erected ahead of time this thing called a wicker man. Now, there is a show that just came out this year by, from Nicholas Cage, he starred in it, called Wicker Man. And what it is, is about an island th that is off the coast of, I believe, Washington, that is a whole coven of witches. And the women rule over the men. The men are like these beaten down little, little 
shells of men. The women rule over them. They are the witches. And basically, at the end of the show, they, they sacrifice Nicolas Cage. They take him. They break his legs. They do all these horrific things when they put this thing on their head where they pour bees down and he stings them. They bust his legs so he can't get loose. And they put him in the wicker man and they light the stinking thing on fire. Well, where did they get that from? This is where we get Halloween from. What the Druids would do is they had already pre-erected a wicker man, and they would go, and they would take... And in, in the wicker man, there were different cages. Okay? Now, here was the deal. They had a bubbling, boiling cauldron that had been boiling for hours, and they would take an apple, and they would throw the stinking apple into the boiling cauldron, and they say, listen, here's the deal. Either you go into the wicker man and you get burned... Or you go into the boiling hot water and you snatch that apple and you better do it the first try. Because if you don't do it the first try, we're going to behead you right there. If you get it the first try, we'll let you go. And they would honor their word. But if you got it the first try, you would be so stinking disfigured from this, from this boiling hot water in the cauldron that you, know, you wouldn't have much of a life. Of course, unfortunately, they're all on the way to hell anyway. That's what would happen. They would actually go in. Some would actually grab it. They would be disfigured for the rest of their life. The ones that wouldn't would be beheaded. The ones that chose not to do it would go up into the wicker man. The wicker man, basically at midnight, would be burned. All the human sacrifices would be burned. This is how the Druids celebrated Halloween. This is where we get our Halloween traditions from. And I am not exaggerating about what I just said. Yeah, this is where we get the word bonfire from. Which was originally considered a bone fire. Because they were burning human beings. What, what, hold on. In the Bible, isn't that what we were just talking about? Moloch? They were sacrificing infants. People say, oh no, this is too far out for me. Listen, the Bible is replete with human sacrifice. Moloch, I told you how horrific that thing was. That's even more horrific than what, than what I just described. Do you think Satan has changed his agenda? Or he requires anything less of his highest subjects? Nope. He's not changed a bit. So... If we go then further, the two lateral lines of the Seal of Solomon, if they're removed, now this is from a Freemasonic source, if the two lateral lines of the Star of David, or they call it the Star of David, but it's actually the Seal of Solomon, if they're removed, leaving the upward and the downward points, this results in the Freemasons' square and compass. Think about that. And I'm looking right at this. The blazing star... Remember, we, the blazing star, which is the six-pointed star, is properly a six-pointed star. And again, this is another reference I'm quoting from here. The sign of the deity, and to make the, that more evident, in the middle of it is usually inscribed the letter G, for God. Well, they say it's for God. I think it all might also mean the word gnosis, or Gnostic, meaning hidden knowledge, because that's what the Freemasons base everything off of, this gnosis or hidden knowledge. In co-Masonic lodges, the usual form is a serpent curled around with its tail in its mouth. Didn't we already just describe this? Okay, which is one of the most highest wicked signs in witchcraft as well. This was the original form, but the head of the serpent was altered to form the letter G. Well, it also can be form, altered to form a swastika, which is also another way they represent it. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn says the hexagram is used in the occultist Aleister Crowley, the ritual of the beast. Aleister Crowley, who was reputed to be the wickedest man in the last hundred years, bragged about how many little children he had sacrificed. 
and, and all this other abominations that he did. He died a heroin addict. Um, he, 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 he was vile, vile, beyond vile. I watched a documentary on him one time, and I literally started getting sick. It was so sickening. This man was, was disgusting. I mean, he did everything he could possibly do to get demon-possessed, including eating feces, human sacrifice, child sacrifice, everything you could imagine. It didn't matter. So, Aleister Crowley used the hexagram in the Ritual of the Beast. So, you're in good company there if you're, if you're wearing a hexagram. Aleister, it was good enough for Aleister Crowley. Israeli Regardi re reveals that the hexagram of Saturn... Look, they're just saying it right there. Of Saturn are used in the magical initiation rites. This diagram, there, the, we're going to look at a diagram here from the lid of Christian Rosenkut's tomb depicts the higher self enthroned in the candidate's initiates or psyche. Okay, now this is all referenced, and if you look at this, you're going to notice a six-point star located in the right hand of this devil god. <coughs> This, it's like this, almost this genie devil god coming out of, a, of, a, of an Aladdin's lamp, and the thing that's emphasized is the six-pointed star in his right hand. Okay, so if we go further, then the next sign is the emblem of the Theosophical Society. Now, the Theosophical Society... Um, which had a lot to do with Alice Bailey and Madame P. Blavatsky, two of the wickedest women that ever walked the planet. They were essentially, you know, high-level, Luciferian, Satan worshippers. Okay? But this is their emblem. And again, it's a six-pointed star with an ankh in the middle, which is that Egyptian cross, and it says, There is no religion higher than truth. <laughs> Give me a break. What do they know about truth? And it's a snake eating its own tail with a swastika at the head of it. Why would you even want to associate yourself with any of this junk? The interlaced triangle, now this is describing the symbol, the interlaced triangle, the one lighter in this particular symbol, pointing upwards and the other darker pointing downwards, symbolize the descent of the spirit into matter and its emergence from the conflicting, confining limits of form. At the same time, they suggest the constant conflict between light and dark for forces in nature and man. When, as the emblem, the double triangle is depicted within the circle of the serpent, the whole is manifested, nature is re represented, the universe bounded by the limitations of time. I, I can't stand the way they write. They, they, they write like lawyers. They write so you couldn't understand it if you tried. And it's as though, oh, we're so religious and so above you. We can write in ways which, you know, give me a break. The symbol of the interlaced triangles is known in the Hebrew religion as the Seal of Solomon. This is from Theosophical Society. Okay? Now, let's see how this relates to the New Age. The New Age, a growing number of New Agers have already... Un this is interesting here. A growing number of New Agers have already undergone an initiation ceremony and accepted the mark of the beast. They almost universally... Now, it's not the mark of the beast in the Bible, I believe, where they've got some... Microchip that they can't buy or sell. Okay, that's we haven't got to that point yet. But they have went ahead and just said, you know, whatever, Satan, I give my life to you, whatever it takes, I'm going to take this mark symbolically or whatever. Now, once these New Age initiates take this mark, they almost universally report that although they approach the ceremony with dread and foreboding, 
Well, you know, hey, if, if I don't know how God exactly looks at this thing, but if, if God views this as basically taking the mark of the beast, there's no redemption for them. None. They say that they approach the ceremony with dread and foreboding, after, but after it's all over, they one said, I discovered that I had lines on the palm of my right hand had been altered. And a portion of them now formed a six-pointed star, about an inch in circumference. It terrified me when I first spotted it. But as time went on, I learned to accept the changes within my body, and I really felt quite special. End of quote. Could you imagine if you took an initiation like this, and all of a sudden, on your right hand, which is where one of the primary places they're going to put the mark of the beast, you look at your hand and there's a stinking hexagram on your palm? The, just imagine the lines on your... Whoa, that blow my mind too. Well, hold on. If Satan's going to come with all lines, signs, and wonders, that's not going to be a big shake for him. But imagine that. I'd like. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a picture of one of those. I, I should have done a, a... What I need to do is see if I can find an image of one of those. Or if anybody's listening, send me an image. I'll add it into the thing. So, this is, then we go before, further down, and this is a tattoo on the abdomen of a Wiccan initiate. A Wiccan is, uh, Wicca, is a form of witchcraft, they consider it white witchcraft. Wicca means bent or twisted, it's just witchcraft repackaged, okay? And it's a hexagram with the all-knowing eye of Lucifer in the center. That's a tattoo that they use. Now, in religion, they use it in, primarily in the world of, of Judaism, Okay, this is a symbol of the Jewish World Congress. And again, you'd have to have this in front of you to be following along. But the hexagram was adopted by the Zionist organization, the first Zionist Congress, in 1897. Um, and remember, Zionism hates Jesus Christ. Zionism in the Jewish religion in its purest form hates Jesus Christ, okay? Now, there's going to come a day coming when Jews are... Some Jews are going to have their eyes open. Okay, the Bible clearly predicts it. And they're going to look upon whom they've pierced. They're going to look upon their Savior and realize what they did. But these are of the synagogue of Satan, as the Bible talks about. Now, on the flag of Israel, we have the hexagram. Well, while the state of Israel, its search for the Jewish authenticity, chose as its emblem the, the menorah, which is what we talked about earlier, the Megan David of the six-pointed star was maintained on the national, formerly Zionist flag. This is from the Encyclopedia Judica of the Megan David, page 697. So, you know, it's right there. This is right from Jewish sources. Just about done. Satan's future for the six-pointed star. The New World Order will be called Saturn's Golden Age. Here is the general reformation of the world announced in the Rosicrucian manifestos described as a world reformation. It will bring the world back to the state in which Adam found it, which was the age of Saturn's golden age. This returns to the golden age of Adam and Saturn. Give me a break. It is said to be assisted by the high society of the Rosicrucians. Now, the Priory de Zion, the Merovingian dynasty, will rule the world. This is, this is Saturn's new age. It's associated with the hexagram. Guess who's going to rule the world? The Priory de Zion, or the Merovingian dynasty, will rule the world and claim to be the bloodline of Jesus Christ. 
Where do we get this from? This is what the Da Vinci Code was talking about. The Merovingian bloodline. Well, what's that? Well, that's the belief that the, that the Da Vinci Code teaches that Jesus Christ was never crucified. That he basically took Mary, um, was it Mary Magdalene, I think, as his wife. He was whisked off the cross. They moved up into England area, uh, particularly in the Scottish area. And he had children with Mary. This is what the Da Vinci Code teaches. And then you have the lost tomb of Jesus and all these other abominations and heresies, okay? The Gospel of Judas. Oh yeah, like I'd want to really listen to that one, the Gospel of Judas. But the, the Merovingian bloodline is part, one of the bloodlines of the 13 families of the Illuminati. The Merovingian bloodlines say that they can trace their lineage all the way back to Jesus Christ. Because this is the bloodline they said emanated from Jesus Christ because he was never crucified and your faith is all in vain and he was a good man but he was just an ascended master. And there's going to come greater than him. That's what this is teaching. Okay? Priory design and the Merovingian dynasty is all associated with this and it's all taught in the Da Vinci Code. This is why this is all so dangerous. The avowed and declared objective of the Priory design is the restoration of the Merovingian dynasty and the bloodline. All of this again is associated with the hexagram. Okay? Saturn, golden age. What is Saturn? Satan. What is that symbol associated with Saturn or Satan? The hexagram. The six, the six, the six. So the avowed and declared objective of the prior design is the restoration of the Merovingian dynasty and bloodline, not only to the throne of France, but to the thrones of all other European nations as well. And again, we look at the book, The Bloodline of the Holy Grail. This is, the, this is the, uh, one of the first abomination books that came out that started this heresy. And this is a copy of the, uh, looks like the title page, The Hidden Lineage of Jesus Revealed by Lawrence Gardner. May the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on his lying, stinking tongue. If it be possible, his soul be saved. But these are heresies of the highest magnitude and order. I mean, if any of this is true, truly, as the Bible says, then your faith is in vain. It's not, okay? But I'm just saying, this is what they would have us believe. This is from another quote. Our researchers have persuaded us that the claim of to legitimacy of such a monarchy rests on a Merovingian descent from Jesus. Lies from the stinking pit of hell. Here's another quote. We do not think the incarnation truly symbolizes what it is intended to symbolize unless Jesus was married and sired children. We cannot point to one man and assert that he is Jesus' lineal descent. There are at least a dozen families in Britain and Europe today who are of the Merovingian lineage. These include the houses of the Habsburg, Lorraine, Plantard, Luxembourg, Mosin-Pesant, Montecues, and the Sinclair family of Britain, as are various branches of the Stuarts. And again, this is all reference stuff here. <clears throat> Note, keep your eye on Prince Michael Stuart and Thomas Plantard, son of the Grand Master of the Priory de Zion. That was just a note in there. The public will be deceived that the six-point star is the mark of Christ or the Messiah and should be the, and should be the mark of Christianity. That's one of the deceptions that's coming here. Now the Bible says in Matthew twenty-four thirty, and the son, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Well, this is what Satan is going to basically say is, six, is this hexagram, okay? 
<clears throat> now this is from one of their one of their occultic quotes says the upward pointing pyramid is an ancient symbol for the power of a king with the base of it resting on earth and the summit reaching into heaven the other pyramid represents the power of the priest established in heaven reaching down to earth in this overlapping form it is the mark of the double messiah as such, it is the only true sign of Jesus. They're saying the hexagram in the occult circles is the only true sign of Jesus. And it carries the extra mean as being the bright star of David's line that arose in the morning. If the star of David is the symbol of the unified messiahship of Jesus, it should be the mark of Christianity. This is, this is why so-called pseudo-Christians in the 501c3 corporate church that are lukewarm are going to line up to take the mark. They're going to be right in line just with the rest of everybody else. You think knowing truth is a little bit important, knowing the times we're moving into? The Star of David... This is another quote. All evidence suggests that the early use of the hexagram was limited to the practical Kabbalah, which is the highest form of Jewish mysticism, witchcraft. The, all of the early use of the hexagram was limited to the practice of the Kabbalah. That is Jewish magic. Probably dating back to the 6th century. Probably dating back to Babylon, Babylon if you really want to know the truth. CE legends connect... Uh, I don't know if that means Kabbalistic legends, connect the symbol with the seal of Solomon, the magical signet ring used by King Solomon to control demons and spirits. Although the original ring was inscribed with the Tetragrammaton, which we're going to probably talk about that next week, the sacred four-letter name of God, medieval amulets in imitating this ring substituted the hexagram or the pentagram. Now we're going to talk, we're going to segue into the Tetragrammaton. And, and, and how that's being used, which is supposedly the ineffable four-letter name of God. This is another thing you really see heavily in the Messianic Jews and the Hebrew Roots Movement, the Christian Zionists. They believe you can't pronounce the name of God anymore. You can't, you can't even write it out. You have to write L-D or G-D. You can't pronounce it. You, show me this in the, in the New Testament. Or even the Old. It's not in there. So... This teaching will probably segue into that one because that's also another huge heresy that needs to be exposed. And this this article ends with, oh my word, I don't know how many references on the material that we just went over. So anyway, that was the lighthearted teaching for today. And we're going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us and all that you've done for us, Lord. Lord God, for helping us to see the truth. I pray, Lord God, that you guide us in all truth, all the days of our life, Lord God, that we would not be deceived. Lord, I do pray that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form, Lord God, that you would wipe our slate clean, Lord God, that there would be nothing that would hinder our communication with thee, that you would cleanse us of presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, in the name of Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord God, we thank you for all your goodness and your mercy. And Lord God, I do also pray that you forgive us and give us the ability, if we have any unforgiveness in our hearts toward anyone, that you would give us that ability, Lord, because all good gifts come from Thee. And we cannot do anything apart from You, as Your Word says. That we are nothing apart from You, Lord God. I do pray, God, that we maintain humility and meekness and the fear of the Lord before You, Lord God. And that that fear would also fall upon the unsafe people around us and upon the apostate, lukewarm church. And that that fear would drive them to repentance. And that you would open their eyes, Lord God, that they would see truth. 
And that you would save many, Lord God, and that your name would be glorified. Lord God, it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I just pray, God, that thy name be glorified through this teaching, through wherever, wherever your word is being preached. I do pray, God, that you would deal with the wicked, Lord God, particularly the evil, wicked entities. I pray to God you would overthrow them in the name of Jesus Christ. These entities that emanate and operate through modern, the modern day world, through the governments and the religious systems of the world, I pray God they be overthrown. I do pray God for your protective hand to be upon the body of Christ. We pray God that you bring us back safe and sound the next appointed time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.